Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is episode 2902, and we have someone uh, coming on in just a bit named Sylvia Johnson. And she's going to talk to us about a very important subject. And this is a, a little bit of a different interview than the type that we, we generally do, but this is real world. So I want you to imagine this scenario. You're at home in bed. You're laying in your bed, and then you hear a sound. So you get up, and you check. And you find nothing wrong. So you go back to bed. You hear another sound, and you get up. And there's someone in your home. You don't know who they are, or why they're there, or what their intentions are. This is why so many of us are armed. And fortunately, as you'll hear today, Sylvia was as well. What happened next? Well, I'll bring on Sylvia in just a moment to tell you. It's probably not what you're thinking right now, but there are a ton of lessons in it. With that, before we get into today's topic, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is ButcherBox. Man, I love ButcherBox, and uh, they're always having like really cool additional things you, you know, I can add every month. But what I love most is I just have this kind of base box of of grass-fed beef and, and pastured uh, poultry and pastured pork to get sent to my house. It's always top-quality stuff. In fact, right now, I've got some chicken thighs from ButcherBox sitting in my mini crock pot. I mean, seriously, I just checked on them before I started doing the intro here for the show. Um, and they're in there with some raw salsa newt seasoning and uh, some cauliflower rice to keep those carbs down. And when I get done putting this show together and put it out for you, uh, I'm going to go enjoy that. And And, you know, the fact that... My freezers stay full without me having to go to the store. Between what I grow here at home and what ButcherBox sends to me and what I get from the guy down the road, I love it. And it's just top-quality stuff. And if you're an MSB member, you get $10 off every box for life. That's $120 a year. It alone will pay for your MSB membership. So check them out today at ButcherBox.com. Next up today, John Pugliano. You probably know who John Pugliano is. He's a member of the Expert Council. He's been on the show a good half dozen times or more as a guest. He's written some uh, some guest articles for the blog as well. He's been working with us now for God, I guess, ten years, and uh, you know the lo- longer part of how long TSP's been around. But he also is a podcaster. He has a podcast called The Wealth Studying Podcast, where he'll talk to you about how to manage your money and how to invest your money wisely and how to make that good return of investment. He's also an investment manager. You can learn more about him, of course, at wealthsteading.com. With that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. All right, and with that, hey, Sylvia, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks, Jack. I'm glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Well, I'm glad to have you on. This is a great topic to discuss. It's not a great topic to have experience with, but it is a great topic of a discussion. We haven't really gone into it for quite a while. We're going to talk about home invasions today. Can we start out, though, with who is Sylvia? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Sylvia is a prepper, kind of. I consider myself kind of an unenthusiastic prepper. I do things because it makes sense to do it and because it's the responsible thing to do. I'm not all into the gear and the camping and the hunting and the fishing, but I'm all about food and having plenty of that. 
and water and, of course, self-defense and the ammo that goes along with that. I started listening to the Survival Podcast, I think, in 2010. I was laid off from a job and had time on my hands and had become more aware of the need to be prepared. Things like, oh, Hurricane Katrina was one thing that made me be more inclined to be prepared and just various other things. So that's kind of how I found out about you. And as soon as you opened up the members support brigade to lifetime members, I took advantage of that. So I've been a lifetime member for many years. I don't even remember when that was. That's over eight years because it was right before we moved here. Uh, from Arkansas. So okay. the only reason the numbers in my head is I know that in January, it'll be nine years in this house. That's, that's, that's okay. the only reason I know that. So yeah, that's almost a decade as a lifetime member. That's awesome. So unfortunately you ended up with a home invasion scenario. Tell us kind of the circumstances of, of what exactly happened there. This is when I lived in Clearwater, Florida, which is in the Tampa Bay area. I had moved into a new house from another little town in that same area. And just kind of, like I mentioned, I'm a sometimes prepper or a kind of prepper. So when I moved into this house, as it always is with moving, things were chaos. Somebody who was helping me out put up, just put my guns somewhere. Uh, I think it was in the garage, and that's where they stayed. So when I had lived there for a few months, one night I woke up, and I kind of, it was a really weird thing because I was groggy, but yet I just knew I was awake. So I got up. And started walking out of my bedroom. And as I turned the corner to go into the hallway, I saw a figure standing there and it looked like they had on a hoodie. And of course, I was unarmed because my guns were in the garage. So the, I did the only thing I could do and started screaming bloody murder. And I can scream loud. And so this figure just kind of disappeared. And I went into back into the bedroom, grabbed my phone from the nightstand, called 911, went through all of that. Cops came out in droves, five or six cars. They checked the house, nothing. They had a dog, could not find any scent of a human being in the yard, no signs of a break-in. And so the conclusion was that I was just dreaming. So... Very disturbing. Um, no follow up from from that case from the police. So fast forward about a year later. And before I fast forward, though, let me tell you that the next day I located all of the guns, the ammo, the gun from that point on lived in its appropriate place. So fast forward a few months later. Um, I'm laying in bed. Now, I have had trouble sleeping for a while, even before the first incident. Well, after that, when I had even more trouble sleeping. So when I do finally fall asleep, a lot of times I sleep pretty soundly for a few hours. But anyway, so a few months later, I was laying in bed asleep and I heard this god awful noise. 
So I got the gun, got out of bed, went through the house checking, nothing. Went back to bed. My heart rate had almost returned to normal when I heard another god-awful noise. So grabbed the gun again, got out of bed, and as I was leaving my bedroom door, I saw a figure turning down the hallway. And it was really bizarre because this was a middle-aged woman carrying one of those like Yeti cups or coffee cups. And it looked like she was just strolling through the house like it was her own. Like, you know, she got up and was having her first cup of coffee in the morning. So, of course, I had the gun in her face and I said, don't move or I will shoot. And she just stopped and said, I believe you. I'm like, who are you? She told me her name, Christina Smith. I'm like, what are you doing in my house? She said that she followed her friend in and she thought it was another house, but apparently it wasn't. I'm like, how did you get in? Garage door was open. I'm like, anyway, at that point, it's like, okay, enough of the question. So I knew it was time to call 911, but the phone was over on my nightstand. So I told Christina to turn around. Well, first I told her to put her coffee cup down or whatever it was, because I didn't want her sloshing something at me, you know, and distract me. So I told her to put that down. Then when I was trying to get to the phone, I told her to turn around and face the wall and put her hands up against the wall up above her head. When she did that, I, you know, stepped over, grabbed my phone, came back so that she was in view again. Now, this woman was very compliant through this entire thing. And so it it was just bizarre. And that was going on because when you have somebody breaking your house, you don't expect it to be a compliant middle-aged woman. You expect, you know, younger. And so I felt really calm. From the very beginning, pissed, but very calm. It was just really bizarre. But anyway, I called 911 and they started asking their questions. Oh, who, who was it? The age, what she was wearing, all of this, you know, I, but I, I made sure I told them that I did have a gun in my hand. So hopefully this them there a little bit quicker I don't know but anyway I stood there talking to the 911 call with Christina standing there in front of me doing whatever I told her to do and I had backed away from her as much as I could so my back was against the dresser which was against the far wall because I know how quickly people can move and I didn't want her rushing at me and me not have time to you know, react and pull the trigger if I needed to. So I had thrown the phone down on the bed because trying to hold uh, a gun and a phone at the same time. And after a while, the gun gets heavy. This was a Glock uh, 9mm. I think it's the Glock 19. But anyway, so the phone was on speaker laying on the bed in front of me. And the 911 operator was asking questions. I said, I don't know. But then she answered and said, oh, I think it was 49. So it was just a bizarre situation. But then after, you know, after so long of these questions, I'm like, um, are you 
sending somebody to help me out with this situation. Yeah, and she's no like, shit. Yeah, like, no. come on. Like, I've got a gun yeah. pointed at somebody and you're interviewing me. Right, right. But it was, they, she said, they're on their way. Just hang on. Um, and then, you know, there was some silence after that. I was still on the line. She told me to stay on the line and then would come in, uh, you know, a couple of times uh, saying what's going on now or whatever. But then finally she said, okay, the cops are there. Can you walk, go to the front door and let them in? I'm like, no, I can't because I would have to walk by this woman and turn my back to her. So I said, I will have her go to the door and unlock it. So she's going to be coming out first and I'm going to follow her to the door. And as I walk by this clothes hamper that was sitting in my hallway, I'm going to put the gun down because I was afraid of being shot by the police. If they came in and saw me holding a gun, you know, you just never know. So, um, that's that's kind of what happened. And the I looked later at my phone and the uh, 911 conversation lasted seven minutes and 28 seconds, which I believe is a pretty quick response time. Overall. That's under their 10 minute national average. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, and that's 10 minute national average where they show up. Right. right. There are places where you might still be standing there. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, like it was Seattle or something. Um, This friend that she mentioned, did you ever figure out if the friend was real or imaginary or bullshit? Like, because my concern in that scenario is I I, I think I have two invaders here. Where's the other one? And the scenario you describe, I'm thinking, dude, I'm thinking other guy, you know, the other person's a dude. And this is probably like, a couple that's strung out on drugs or something are looking to score some quick money. Like, or was that just some fabrication? Did, did this person just have like a mental deficiency or, you know, what did you, what were you able to discern from all this by the time it was over? Well, I think there was a slight mental deficiency to cause the situation to begin with, but there was a friend. And at some point she had mentioned the friend by name. I think it was Rachel. But the friend was not there. And that's that is one thing that I thought of later. It's like I would have been toast if there had been a probably a male, like if there had been somebody coming in one of the bedroom windows while I had my gun pointed at her. I mean, hopefully I would have reacted and been able to take care of the other situation. But it is it's I mean, the. Obviously, one person is at an, a disadvantage if there are two intruders. But I did feel better because she was so compliant and because she had mentioned a female name. And back at that point, a female name usually meant a female, unlike what it does now. Um, but the female friend never came into the house. She apparently helped Christina break in. But when the cops came, they did find some person wandering around the streets and detained her and did ascertain that it was the friend that this woman was talking about. But they did not arrest her because she was not in the house and they couldn't have, couldn't prove anything. Um, did you ever determine a motivation? I mean, obviously, if you're uh, you're you're caught like that, the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. If you're uh, this this girl, right? But 
did you ever determine a motivation? Was it an attempted burglary? Was it they didn't think anybody was home and they were just going to hang out in the house and smoke dope? I mean, like, because there's a lot of that happens where people go into a house because they think no one's home or they think it's actually deserted and they just like flop for a while. Or, you know, did, did this person look like maybe she's trying to score drug money? Like, can you, do you have any idea of what the motivation was? No. And the cops told me later that they could not get anything that made sense. Um, I don't know if they maybe knew the person that lived there before me and thought that maybe they did think that the house was empty, even though I had lights on in the bedroom, because a lot of times I'll fall asleep with a light on. I more than likely had one on. Um, but anyway, they never did find out why she apparently was on drugs. And the only thing that made any sense is that this this neighborhood that I lived in was kind of marginal. It was right on the borderline between not so great and then in a, a nice part. And so there was a little neighborhood bar that was a block or so away that I think she and the friend were there. And then when it closed, they probably hung out and smoked some weed a little while and then got the bright idea of roaming to my house and trying to break in. But no, the, so, the story never made sense. No, it doesn't. But it, never, does. she, I mean, it doesn't, but it does. That kind of crap happens all the time. People just pick a house and wander into it because they're not, their faculties aren't there or they think they know the occupant or they maybe they do know the occupant three streets over and they're in the wrong house. I mean, this mm-hmm. kind of thing happens and it sucks, but it beats the alternative. Like they weren't coming in there to try to do violent harm to you or what have you. But I mean, you have somebody come in your house that doesn't belong there. It is a traumatic experience. You were armed. Did you just go get a gun? Did you go get a gun and take a class? How do you feel having being armed and whatever training you may have had uh, played out in keeping this situation like under control and, and keeping your confidence where they, ne- they needed to be? I have had training in the past. I do not train nearly as much as I should, but I did years ago when I lived in Memphis, Tennessee or in that area, I went to tactical response and took the fighting pistol class. So I was very familiar with the gun and I had shot thousands of rounds through the gun with that and with, you know, target practice, whatever. So just handling the gun, I felt very confident and that came back to me. Now, I don't know how well I would have aimed if I had to pull the trigger. I'm assuming it was such close distance that I would have eventually been able to hit before I ran out of bullets. But just the handling of the gun, somehow that came back to me. And and I was later, I was just amazed about how calm I was and how I was able to hold the gun, keep it steady, keep my finger off the trigger and hold the phone and the gun at the same time. And even did some other stuff without shooting Christina or myself by accident. So I think the training definitely paid off. But if 
if there had been multiple people, I'm not sure that I would have been able to manage both at the same time. But definitely having just having the gun probably prevented me from, you know, rolling on the floor brawling with this woman, like having a cat fight with her. Because who knows what she would have done. So well, I, I think, definitely think. Go I, ahead. I think that the best response you can get from somebody that you point a gun at and say, if you don't comply with me, I'm going to shoot you is I believe you. Right. That that was mm-hmm. probably the point at which she had decided whatever this lady tells me to do, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm, it because you would expect three possible scenarios to play out. One, she engages with you in fights, even despite the fact you're armed. Two, compliance. And three, runs away. Like, makes the calculation, mm-hmm. I don't think this person's going to shoot me in the back when I run out the door. Right. And, and you know, most most people won't, but, you know, you live in certain states like Florida or Texas, it's not that you can't. It's that we, we tend not to want to do such things if we don't have to. But uh, I think I believe you is a, is a – if anybody ever points a gun at you and says you're going you're gonna to be shot if you don't comply, I think I believe you is a pretty good response from the person on the other end to, to bring things down, which sounds like it happened. It sounds like this one is as well as it could have under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, Most definitely. What people don't understand about this type of scenario is, let's say there are multiple people. You're sitting there with a nine millimeter. Let's say you actually do everything right. You put two shots into, into each person during a confrontation. You know what we teach people to expect? And I know since you went through James Jager's course, you, you know this. What we teach you to expect when you shoot somebody with a handgun to happen is nothing. Right? We don't right. expect that's going to stop. It often does, but it just as often doesn't. Like, it's amazing how much damage a person mortally wounded, let alone superficially wounded, with a handgun can do. So it is a bad, tight-fitting scenario. Like you said, if that other person had been a male, and it simply, when they heard that initial go on, set up to ambush you, it could have been really, really bad for you. It could have been really, really bad for Mm -hmm. them. So I think having the training is a huge thing. I don't like to... Pick on people that were in a situation I wasn't, but I think we, we should probably talk about some of the things that you could have done better for the audience's sake. And one seems like if you get up in the night and you know you need your gun, you should probably take your phone with you. And that was right. a scenario that you kind of off balance, correct? Right. Yes. Um, and again, it, it was we, Another thing that I don't think people realize is even when you are alert or you think you're alert, when you wake up from a sleep, you really probably aren't. You may be able to function physically, but mentally you may not be quite awake yet. And so waking up from the sleep, you may not think of the phone because I didn't. It was just like noise, gun. And that's that's as far as I thought, if you can even call that thinking. It was more like just reacting. But, yes, I think that from now on, if, you know, if I hear a noise, I would definitely grab the gun and the phone, especially now that you've mentioned it. But, um, yeah, that's, that's one thing that people, I think, might need to think about is just how – how little you may be actually thinking if something like that happens when you wake up from being asleep. And 
feeling or did I really hear that noise or was I dreaming and just woke up for some reason? It's it's really kind of a blurry thing. But you're definitely right that uh, taking the phone with you would be a very good idea. With the whole did I hear something or not, I some people don't like dogs. Some people prefer not to have them. Some people don't have the space in their life for them. But can you see maybe the security advantage if you had, I mean, even a little yappy Pomeranian or something here, because my experience with dogs has been they're never wrong, right? When they right. say something's up, it might be a field mouse or or it might be a person. But when they say, dude, something's going on there, they're never wrong. And, like, to me, I think that might be something that people should consider. Like, we just had Joel Riles on a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about, like, trained protection dogs that are designed to like, okay, go eat that dude's hands off so he doesn't bother anybody and then stop when I tell you to. And that's great if you have that. And, you know, dogs like that are expensive. And let's, let's be honest, the dog has a timeline that they're useful in that capacity. But just the general concept of dogs don't like people that don't belong in their house and they let you know about it. How, how do you kind of feel about that? I definitely think that that's a wonderful idea, and I have been considering that. And, in fact, I've actually communicated with Joel, but I'm not quite ready to pull the trigger because it is quite expensive. And But I, I do want an animal that is trained because I have two useless eaters, otherwise known as house cats, that I don't want the dog eating. My 86-year-old mother that I, I moved here to be closer to her, sometimes she's at my house, and I want a dog that is not going to be underfoot enough and trip her up. So I definitely want a trained dog, but I don't feel I'm qualified to train it myself, because, and, and I don't have the time or the desire to train one myself. So I'm considering the going the – Fortress canine route, but again, I'm not quite ready to pull that trigger because of the expense. To me, that seems the best way because I want this dog to be a weapon and I want to, for it to be trained and trained right. Again, because of people in my house and, and things like that, I just can't have an untrained large dog and I do want a large one. Well, and I think if you're worried about underfoot and all that actually is better. Big dogs are easier to not trip over. They kind of like right. bounce off them. You glance off them. It's little dogs that, especially with an elderly parent, are more likely to actually trip somebody up or what have you. I was just wondering about that. Um, are, are there any other things you would do differently or have plans for the future? Have you thought about like an alarm system or something like that? Um, you know, as far as it getting the police to come, I, I think that, you know, you're pretty lucky on the response time you got, and sometimes a large uh, mm -hmm. response is even worse. But the fact that the thing goes off is a is a deterrent. Like criminals that do invasion scenarios, they rely on stealth, whether they want to get in and out without you knowing cat burglar style or whether they want to get in and harm you, they still rely on stealth. They don't generally, you know, open the door and go, hey, I'm coming in to steal your stuff, right? So, like, have you thought about, like, an alarm? Yes, I have thought about an alarm and I actually bought an on, online, like I think it's simply safe. Did not put it up in Florida because circumstances made me realize that I would be moving um, soon, like with my mother and get out of the large city 
you know, all of that. So, and again, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I guess lazy when it comes to things like that and just maybe kind of in denial too, because I was kind of surprised at how much this incident affected me. Usually things like, or most things just kind of roll off of me and I cope with hard situations fairly well, but this really, really did affect me more than I thought it would. Like not sleeping and still sometimes I wake up and just kind of in a panic and I know that there is nothing there, but I have to talk to myself and calm myself down before I can go back to sleep. But yes, an alarm is a definitely a good idea. I'm terrified though of waking up in the middle of the night with an alarm blaring and being even more disoriented than I would be before and not hearing what I need to hear and things like that. So I, I probably will do the alarm soon, but um, I, I definitely think a dog is something that I would rather have, probably have both, but I would rely, feel better relying on the dog than I would an alarm system. But and something else, um, this is an embarrassing thing to mention, but it's something that people may want to think about is how you are dressed or not dressed and the availability of clothing if something happens in the middle of the night. Because, you know, I live by myself. I'm single. I live by myself with the cats. They don't care. So I was not exactly wearing anything when this happened. So here I am standing there naked with a gun in this person's face. And then after I dial 911 because of the other incident, I knew my house was going to be crawling with cops. Most of them are male and a lot of them younger. It's like, I don't want to traumatize these poor guys. And so when I was during the confrontation, when I backed up against the dresser, I managed to reach in and pull out some clothes and get something on while trying to deal with the gun and not shoot myself or Christina. So from that point on, I made sure that I have something like a robe right there that I can put on in case something happens so I'm not doubly disadvantaged. You know, that's a great point. It's not just clothing. It's also like, you know what? If I got to be outside my, in, in my, in my, uh, my boxer briefs with a gun in the back of somebody's head while the cops get here, I'll do it. What I don't want to do is have to get into an engagement or get outside of my property with bare feet. That's a right. Weakness. So like yes. I have a decent pair of shoes that are slip on and they sit. At the side of my bed where when I, if I roll out of that bed and I put my feet down, they're there and I can get them on without looking. I can feel them and get them on because that's, that's something a lot of people don't think of is, well, if you're in bed, you're probably not geared up the way you are when you go outside, right? So it's mm -hmm. one thing to arm yourself and all. You probably don't have time to go putting a lot of clothing on, but yeah, shoes to me, like where that was like something like, When I first started thinking more about being prepared if I had something going on in the house, and it wasn't just invasion. It was like, what if there's a fire, right? If I have to run outside because mm -hmm. fire is raging, barefoot and outside don't work, especially in Texas. 
everything here bites you, stings you, or stabs you, right? Like that's right. just the way things are. And uh, so, like that's a, that's a really good point is to be thinking about how you can um, clothe yourself, protect yourself, etc., against elements, not just the individual. And again, if you get into some sort of a conflict, somebody breaks in your house, they're probably wearing clothes. They probably mm-hmm. have shoes on. And if you get into a conflict with somebody, you're struggling over a gun, and that person's got bare feet, and you're wearing a pair of boots. It takes one good stomp, and you're busting metatarsals in the in the foot, right? So, like, that's that's actually a really astute point. Uh, thinking about clothing and other materials that you might need if you have to respond to that type of a situation. Oh yeah, for sure. And fortunate, and and the weather too. Uh, like living in Texas, if it's the middle of the winter, you know, you might freeze your butt off. Uh, Florida didn't really have that issue, even though this was February when it happened. Still, I'm not going to be overly cold if I have to go outside. But yeah, definitely. And if you lived up north somewhere and this happened in the winter time, that would be really bad news. Yeah. Um. And you mentioned law enforcement. It wasn't glowing. It wasn't awful. What was your overall feeling like of how they handled the situation? It sounds like at least on the initial arrival, they were in touch with 911 dispatch. They understood you were armed. They understood you were sending the bad person out first, right? They mm-hmm. didn't try to like overly control it. They didn't come kicking doors in. So it seems like that they did, you know, as well as you could expect. Um, how do you feel about what they did after the fact? Like as far as investigation, it doesn't seem like there was any resolution. Did this, did this woman get charged? Like what, what, what happened? The night that it happened or early morning, this was about three o'clock in the morning. Um, after it was over with, I was really pretty shaky and was kind of out of it as far as paying attention to what they were doing. And when the woman said that she came in through the garage door, I had the big, of course, the roll garage door that the car comes in. Then over on the side, there's a door like for a person to walk in. Earlier that day, I'd been out in the yard working and I thought, okay, I left the garage door open when I came in. Like I didn't lock it. That's what I thought she meant. And so... I didn't think anything of it until after the cops left and I'd calmed down a little bit and I was looking around the house and I looked at that garage door and I saw where it had, it it was all um, dented up where somebody, it was obvious that somebody had jimmied that door. All I had done is turn the bolt in the doorknob. I had not done the deadbolt lock and so they jimmied that door open the cops put in their report that the door was unlocked and so i called the guy like the officer in charge back the next day and told him that the 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 door would had obviously been jimmied that it wasn't unlocked you know and of course, that might make a difference in the charge. I don't know. I don't know enough law, but whether, you know, it might make a difference whether somebody walked in through an unlocked door 
versus jimmying the door open to break in. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm guessing it probably wouldn't make a difference in the actual charge, but it would be what we'd call an aggravating circumstance on the charge. So you might get harsher treatment because you actually physically opened the door. It might actually add a charge. I, I'm really not sure, but it would definitely be at least an average, average, aggravating circumstance. And, and, and getting that wrong, that's not competent. I'm sorry. Right, right. But they, they were very nice. And again, they didn't shoot me. Anytime I have, I mean, I hate to be this way, but anytime I have an interaction with law enforcement and I'm not beat up, tased or shot, I consider or arrested, I consider that a successful encounter. And none of those things happened. So and they were very nice, um, but competent, not so much. And, you know, they spent a lot of time standing out in the yard talking to each other and people roaming through my house doing I don't know what. Again, I was kind of out of it, but they were there for t two hours. They were like five. I counted at one point five cop cars in front and beside my house and people roaming everywhere. And they didn't see that. That's that's what was so bad. It's not like they were short staffed. It's not like they were rushed. So it was I mean, it, it was gross incompetence. It's, it's it's almost like that they they had their person so they didn't really feel the need to investigate maybe that they were just going through the motions. Yeah. And that's that's really stupid because it is often the case that you'll catch somebody like this. I've I've worked enough with law enforcement to know some some things like this. You'll catch a person like this and it seems like a really simple like this person went in because they wanted to grab a few things and make a few bucks and get some some dope or something. And if you actually pull on that thread and start investigating that, all of a sudden you find the friend. And then when you actually investigate the friend and just said, I just said, there's nothing we can do. You find that there may be connected to other people. And sometimes I've, I've, I know of one instance where basically this led to another thing and then another place. And then they went to this other guy's house and they opened the garage and like all the shit that's been stole from the neighborhood for the past three months is in this, like, he's fencing it literally out of his garage. Mm -hmm. And they take down this whole ring because the cops weren't lazy. You got your person, but who is that person connected to? You know, this is one of my soapbox moments for, like, private security that would actually do their job right. and they get fired. But that's that's neither here nor there with this situation. But that is one of those instances where, yeah, you got your person, but who is that person and, and who are they connected to? Was it what it looked like? Or wasn't it? Because now, now, as soon as you tell me the door was Jimmy, I got a different vibe on this, right? If that person comes by and checks the doorknob and it happens to turn and they look around and they sneak in, scum. But that's one level of one level of criminal. Someone that carried what was necessary to the house to Jimmy the door is like you okay the idea that maybe they were confused maybe they thought they know who lived there no if i know who lives at a place i knock on the door i ring the bell right uh if i don't think they're home you know maybe i check the door and maybe i feel free letting myself in if i know them well enough i my best friend i wouldn't jimmy their freaking door open so now that has me going not only was it incompetent but this probably was something more this probably was not two girls that got drunk at a bar smoked a little meth and wanted more. This was probably something a little bit more organized. And what I've seen, because a lot of people probably listened to the beginning of this and said, oh, it was a woman. And then the whole 
sense of danger goes down. A lot of what these got, these criminal gangs are doing now, they recruit women to do this level of work. They know they get more likely to get a slap on the wrist. They're less, you know, perceived as a threat, et cetera. So they're basically running this type of operation and using, you know, women who are more disarming to do kind of the dangerous work. You know, for all you know, maybe there was a guy that actually was the one that jimmied the door. Maybe the other chick got cold feet and hauled ass. And that guy, they just don't mention him. Like, all of that, you don't – I'm not saying any of that's true. All I'm saying is there's no way to know if it's something like that because if you didn't notice the door jimmied, you didn't do your job. You had five cop cars sitting there for this simple scenario where they already had the person in custody. Sounds like a slow night. The donut shop was out of leftovers is what it sounds like to me. Right. Exactly. And what you say about um, women kind of being the almost like a decoy, uh, I remember, I think it was in Furfal, the, the guy in Argentina, when he was writing about um, the situation in Argentina when he lived there. And even like young girls, like teenage girls would come and knock on somebody's door. And then a whole gang, if somebody answered the door, a whole gang of people would show up and do whatever it was that they wanted to do. So, yeah, the fact that the cops didn't really investigate it was kind of disturbing to me. But again, I wasn't shot, wasn't arrested. So success in a way. Definitely successful way. And the decoy thing is real too. We had, uh, back when I lived in Pennsylvania, we had that going on. Uh, it was just almost a Bonnie and Clyde thing where it was a pretty attractive young girl. We'd pull the car over, pop the hood up. And when someone would stop to help, boyfriend would come out from behind the trees with a gun and they'd shake the person down for whatever they had. And that went on for quite a while. Somebody actually ended up getting shot. They didn't get killed, but they did get injured because they fought back. And the, boyfriend got injured so both so the boyfriend was able to shoot the guy that was defending himself but he was also able to turn the gun around and shoot the assailant they jump in the car and haul ass but of course when you've got a bullet in your leg you tend to eventually seek medical care and that's how they got caught they you know they went a few cities away and thought maybe they could get in a, into uh, a hospital and, and not be found and they made something up about he shot himself with his own gun made a mistake And it, cops did do their job and, and they got arrested. It turned out they had done this to like a good 20 odd people across the state before they got caught. So people need to always think that way, man. Criminals are not as dumb as there's, there is a show called America's Dumbest Criminals. They're not the majority of people. There's, there's a lot of sophistication that goes on in this. And what I find too is a lot of these people have been to prison and if they're not educated when they go, they're educated when they come out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing that the cops did do is um, and I, I did the, uh, my own research on this woman. Once I found out her name, I could not find any arrest record for her whatsoever. The cops told me that she had never been arrested before. So I think that the one who was in my house, at least, had just made some unfortunate friends. And she I found out uh, that she did live kind of in my neighborhood a few streets over. Uh, so she was definitely within walking distance of my house, which is kind of another bizarre thing. And the house, it, it was a decent looking house, well kept, nice vehicle, dog in the yard or whatever. Uh, so it was just a really bizarre thing for me to have that type of person breaking in my house. But yeah. one thing. Uh, 
when the cops were there right before they left, one thing I found that was very interesting is that the, the officer in charge asked me why I didn't pull the trigger. I was kind of surprised. And he said, because I would have. And I said, you know, try, I was trying not to say any more than I had to, because again, I have a healthy either respect or fear of the cops and saying too much. So I just said, well, she was complying and doing everything I said, so I didn't feel the need to. But what was going through my mind is I don't want to be arrested and go to prison. Now, Florida, very gun friendly state. But this, you know, Pinellas County, where I lived, is kind of a um, political leaning the other direction. But fortunately, you know, the police department and the sheriff's office, uh, which answered my call, seemed to be on board with, um, you know, the gun ownership of the citizens. But I, I thought that was kind of strange that the, the police guy asked me why I didn't shoot. And, of course, uh, you know, being female, I'm thinking blood and guts all over my house, sheetrock torn up. What if I, you know, miss and get one of the cats that's, you know, in my house, all of this stuff. You can't help but some of that bizarre thing, stuff going through your mind while this is happening, too. But the you main know, thing you, was uh, I, I don't want to be arrested if I can help it. And I don't really want to kill somebody if I can help it. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, th this was a traumatic experience. You've kind of alluded to this with having some trouble sleeping at all. What are kind of your long-term impacts on this? And did you, have you done any, have you had any counseling or talked through it with somebody or anything like that? Well, the morning that it happened, um, about five o'clock in the morning after my house had kind of cleared out, um, I did call a friend of mine who is a psychologist. She is retired now. She worked at the VA, or I think she was retired at that time. Anyway, a lot of experience working with people who have traumatic experiences, much more so than my experience in a lot of cases. So I did talk to her. And she said, one of the best things you can do is talk about it. And so I did. I would tell all of my friends. I would tell people about it. And me being me, I was when I was telling her about it, of course, I picked up on the funny parts of it, like a middle aged woman in my house with a coffee cup, like just wandering through like it's her house and me being buck ass naked while this happens. I mean, that's hilarious if you think about it. And so I would tell people and I would bring out the funny parts of it. And she said that that was, you know, one of the best things that I could do. And she offered to let me stay at her house, as did other friends. I'm like, no, I have to live here. Um, but no, seeking counseling past that, I have not. Um, I just uh, figured that eventually it would go away. And what I need to do is get my act together and get better security and probably get a dog. Because to me, that is the answer. And it's not like I'm afraid of the situation once I'm awake. It's like I will either handle it or I won't handle it. It's that just waking up and being in the middle of something like somebody right in front of me and me not having reaction time is what is so scary to me. It's not like 
I am afraid of the actual situation, if that makes any sense. Because, again, I will either no, handle the situation or not handle it. It makes perfect sense because when you're asleep is when you're vulnerable. And when you're in that, that space right. between awake and sleep is when you're vulnerable. When you're awake, you're conscious. You can deal with the situation. And then you're also in the unknown. And like, so like you're great, you're great, like, you know, horror writers and sci-fi writers and stuff. They know the thing you don't know is the thing you're most afraid of. Like, so like if you look at Stephen King, he's probably one of the, the masters of that genre. Almost all his like movies, you got to let go. You got to, if you read the books, like, You don't find out what the actual thing is that's the actual dangerous thing to well into it because the mind is is likely to make the risk greater than it is or the or give you more fear than the actual thing. The thing under your bed when you were a kid is what scared you. You know it was there nothing, but it didn't matter because it was in your head. So it makes perfect sense that you feel that way. And that's why I think a dog is a great security tool mm -hmm. because the dog will wake up like that. And the dog will go to work like the dog will not wait for you, right? The dog right. will go start taking care of things. Um, I have kind of a different type of dog than, 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 you know, we mentioned Joel already, but you know, I have the kind of dog that removes your arm, like, and then, you know, they, the cops can come follow the blood trail and that's the way that you shouldn't have broke in the house. And, you know, I particularly, like you mentioned being a woman at home alone on the rare occasions that I travel without Dorothy, Having that dog here, I, I don't think that makes, you know, nothing bad will happen. I think I feel a lot more comfortable in that situation because mm -hmm. if you have an armed invader, let's be honest, because the dog is not afraid to engage, the dog's pretty easy to take out. Like if the person's willing to fire right. a shot, like you can take a dog out pretty quick. But even in that scenario, I'd hate to lose my dog, but that gives myself or my wife or both of us more time to respond. And then I also know what I'm dealing with. Right. You shoot my dog. You're getting shot. Like I'm not we're not talking about it. We're not having a long conversation. We're not waiting for 911 to show up. I'm assuming if you killed anything in my home, you mean to kill me, too. And, right. and I hate that to happen. I'd hate for my dog to give his life to defend this family. But knowing that he would is comforting. Right. And um, I totally lost my train of thought. Something you said I was going to follow up on. Oh, well, it will come back. Oh, well, yes, about the investigation or the lack thereof. The, the investigation or the lack thereof. One thing that is disturbing about this whole situation is the first time I woke up with somebody in my house, I still don't know if somebody was really in my house or if because of the sleep deprivation that I had been having, whether it was like waking insomnia, I mean, um, waking hallucinations where even though I was awake, I was kind of not awake. There is a thing that I looked up and I don't remember all of the details now because it's been a while. But I still don't know if this woman had somehow managed to get in before or if maybe that was just a hallucination from whatever reason. Because I've never had anything like that before. I've yeah. never not been able to tell the difference between reality and a dream. Never. So that, that's just a big question mark. And the cops didn't. I told them about that other situation. And even I called on my own to the 
um, officer in charge of the first time and then told and told them about it when they actually arrested the woman. But I never followed up to see if they had done anything. I just assumed they hadn't. And it wasn't worth my time to, you know, to try to push them to do any of investigation like, um, you know, when they were there the first time, they checked for fingerprints or said they did, um, you know, to kind of check and see if any of the fingerprints that they found in my house belonged to Christina. I doubt that they did it. And again, I didn't follow up because, again, the less I have to do with cops, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. Or were there any other things that maybe we missed some lessons that you've taken from this that you want to kind of finish up with? One thing that I think people may underestimate is the need for self-defense training without a weapon. And this is something that is on my list for 2022. I've looked at some things on video, um, but because of the COVID stuff, the place that I wanted to go and actual have training. And I'm not talking about some martial arts thing, although that's fine. I'm talking about like elbow in the nose, knee in the crotch, stomp on the feet, whatever, poking the eyeballs, like real self-defense training where you know how to do things maybe that the person is not expecting. I think that is something that most people should do because you never know what situation you're going to be in and how fast people can move when motivated to do so. And even if you are armed, you may not be able to get to your gun before somebody has their hands around your neck. So that that's just an idea, uh, especially for females, because I think it's incredibly important for, for, for two reasons. Uh, the number one scenario you're going to have as an armed citizen is going to be exactly what you had a home invasion. Right. You're in your home. You have no you know, you can say we have no duty of retreat in Castle Doctor Estates or whatever, but you you have a means of retreat. In most instances, you have space to work with. If you're in a building and you're in a home, it's an incredibly restricted space. A large room in a home today is 12 by 12. Covering, like you say, the speed, covering 10 feet is instantaneous. Mm-hmm. And if you're going, to, if you're not already drawn, the time it takes you to bring that gun up, I can be on your hands. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is if you're in this scenario, it's a gunfight because you brought the gun. So even if the assailant is unarmed, now the gun is up for grabs, and if you're not trained and you're not willing to commit when you have to commit, the gun actually becomes a detriment. If I'm willing to attack you when you're armed and you're not willing to pull the trigger, you just armed me. Right now, right. there is a psychology on the bad guy's side going, how do I know if this person is going to shoot me or not? And I'll tell you, like people that say, well, like if you don't look afraid, the, per- the person that scares me with a gun is the one like this. This person scares mm-hmm. the shit out of me because they may yeah. not even want to shoot me, but I might get shot, right? The person that's calm, I'm not necessarily dropping my my guard or anything, but I'm actually less afraid of the person that's calm with a weapon than the person that's freaked the hell out because we may not be able to have a discussion that, you know, 
that brings down and de-escalates the situation. Um, you also made me think of something I was checking to be sure. I'm going to check again real quick right here so I get the right number. Um, the number of the episode is 1094. If somebody wants to look up a past episode of uh, the Survival Podcast, which is when I had Masada Yub on, and he does an entire course on if you shoot, what do you do after the fact? And I think the fact that you didn't have to do that here is great. But, you know, imagine that you did have the man. This person was armed. It was a guy with a knife or a sharpened screwdriver and you shot him like you were probably in one of the friendliest states you could be. If you're in your home and that happens, you still never know. And there's certain right. things you don't do. In that interview, he said, like, there was a guy he kept having his pawn shop broken to. So he slept there one night. Somebody broke in. He shot him. Well, the, the thing he did that almost ended up putting him in jail where was a good shoot otherwise was he called 911 and his first words were, I got one of the son of the bitches. Oh, I, yeah. What you say after the fact is as important as the circumstances or maybe even more important. So I think that's another thing people need to think about is, you know, the aftermath of a shooting if you're going to be armed. Right. And um, let's face it, uh, me being a middle aged female, I would get, they would be a lot less likely, I think, to arrest me than they would maybe you or especially a younger guy or Agreed. heaven forbid. If it's um, a younger African-American guy, it might have turned out very different, even in a gun-friendly state, um, because of who was pulling the trigger, even though the circumstances otherwise are totally the same. Agreed. And we have a pretty good, cool comment here. I think this is another thing people need to think about um, from a home defense standpoint is mention of a high-powered flashlight. Like, Blinding someone is incredibly effective, and it also illuminates for you what's going on. I get a very clear view of the of the bad guy, and they don't get a view of me, so they don't know what they're dealing with. There is an offside to that, though. If you're in a multiple invader situation, you've definitively identified your location, so it's a balancing act. But um, it it you know it is in in most cases it's it's one of those things that's good to have. And they mentioned having one that's, that's weapons mounted. And I think for the home defense handgun or shotgun, uh, that is a very good idea. I don't, I don't carry a gun with a light on it when I'm out carrying, uh, concealed carry because it's another thing on the gun and I have a light anyway. And I, I don't want to be like looking for my keys. So I pull out, you know, my gun and like, well, oh, there's my keys. Right. Um, but for the home, yeah. for the dedicated home defense weapon, uh, that way, when you pick the gun up, you have the light. I, I think that's a very solid suggestion. And, and this this interview is actually right. making me think maybe we need to do a show on, like, all the things that you can do in this scenario. So I, I appreciate you being with us today. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to talk to folks about before we wrapped up? We're, we're pretty close to an hour here on the interview. Yes. Yeah, so one more thing. Um, the the insurance, I can't remember now that there are two companies that I know of that you can pay them a certain amount of money and they will defend you if you are in the situation where you do have to defend yourself. I have that again I, right now. I can't remember the name of the company, but I've seen another one advertised and I've heard good things about those. But so, but I don't really know since I didn't have to pull the trigger, but that's something that people might want to consider as well. Yeah, there's uh, I think Liberty defense is one and there's another one. And I believe that there's a certain amount of 
um, that type of insurance that comes along with an NRA membership. I'm not sure about that anymore. The NRA is not, I'm not exactly pleased with them at this point. So I'm not totally up to date on what they offer anymore. I'm, yeah. A, yeah. I'm a lifetime member. Uh, so I'm not going to undo that, but uh, I haven't really stayed abreast because I, I do not feel that they've been doing the work, uh, for us that they're supposed to do for us. And I've also kind of, as, as you know, as a listener, kind of turned away from political solutions as well. Um, right. But, yeah, I think that's probably uh, good advice that you have some sort of uh, legal protection. If nothing else, this is something I think everybody should have. You should have a lawyer. Maybe you're not like a, a big wig. You're not on retainer or anything. But a lawyer that would be your lawyer if you need a lawyer. And in any situation that you're in, when the police want to talk to you beyond make like one thing Mossad was really big on with his uh, his, you know, shooting aftermath thing was you don't when the cops show up, say, I'm not going to say anything at all. You make a very specific series of statements. And when you get to the end of the last one, you say, and I will be happy to confer with you further after I've conferred with counsel. And then you sh- after that, you shut up because if you shoot somebody bracing your house and when they get there, you're like, I'm not talking. That's not really the way to handle that situation. He said there are right. times that that's exactly what you should do, but this is not one of them. You've got a guy who's the bad guy doing a really good, I think the way he put it was, he's doing a really good job right now of impersonating a victim, right? So, like, there mm-hmm. needs to be a definitive, mm-hmm. I was in imminent fear of my life, I shot center mass to stop the attack, and I will be happy to confer with you after I confer with counsel further. And if they say anything other than okay, the next words are, are you denying me counsel? Right. That's and that that and then that you keep saying that until they say no, we're not, and then you get with your and like if nothing else, you should have that lawyer in your phone and say, look, I need advice. And even if they go, look, I'm your lawyer, I handle shit like you know your neighbor is suing you. Uh, I'm not right for this. Most lawyers know other lawyers, and they'll say, let me put you in touch with somebody because it's there's your insurance is having someone that knows the law and knows when to shut up and what to say and what not to say. Right. And also the police knowing I'm not messing around like you're not we're not going to go talk for five hours so that I don't look guilty. Like, you know, um, I had a cop one time say something to me like, do you know what kind of people talk to lawyers instead of the police? And my response was, yes, smart ones. (laughs) No, Literally smart ones. That that's that's Mm -hmm. the kind, right? Not guilty ones, smart ones, because there is no advantage. And I've had I've had lawyers on it flat. I say there is there is no benefit to you. By talking to the police, even when you're the one that's that's been attacked or whatever, if there's any indication whatsoever that they might be interested in what you have to say in a not so good way for you, that you don't you benefit ever by speaking to them without an attorney. So I would add that. Um, I, I appreciate you being on today. Um, I think we got a really great uh, amount of feedback from the audience in the live feed. That's always a good indicator that we have a, a great discussion. And uh I think this is something that, you know, this makes people realize that it can happen. And I think that, you know, you can look at this and say, well, like some stupid chick walked in your house with a cup of coffee. That doesn't matter. But that, the point here is this is your home. These walls are your walls. These doors and windows are your, and somebody violated that space. And mm-hmm. I, I personally believe there is no time in which that occurs. Unless it is a true mistaken, I thought I was at my friend's house or they were, you know, somebody coming home that you didn't expect 
unless it's something like that, like there is no time that that person doesn't mean me or you or whoever's home they're in harm because why else would you be in my home? And I don't necessarily mean that means that they want to bash my brains in while I sleep with a, uh, a, you know, a bag of doorknobs or something. They mean me harm. They're looking to steal from me. They're taking from me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it would be a good idea for the average person in this audience. I know there's a lot of people, you know, such as myself, we've had a lot of training. Some of us had military or law enforcement training plus follow on tech training. And we're pretty sure we can look after ourselves. That doesn't mean that we're prepared for this because I don't think you ever can be because it is likely to happen at the worst possible time. Like when you're taking a shower, right? Or, right. or, or you. So like, Doing things like ensuring you have double locks on your doors and that they're locked and you make it more difficult and doing things to dissuade people in the first place. Like if I'm actually doing this for profit, I'm looking at houses before I'm going in them. I'm not randomly going into houses unless, you know, they left the garage door open or something. Right. Like I'm I'm figuring out, like, where am I least likely to get shot? Where am I most likely to get in and out undetected? And where am I most likely to score the best score? So taking those things away or, or, you know, presenting a different image, just like you don't want to be the person walking through kind of the dark alley that looks like this, right? You want to be the person walking through the dark alley where your head's on a swivel because the bad guy's looking for a victim. And you have to think of your property as the victim here, right? That's because that's, they're not keeping you. You're inside your house, you know, brushing your teeth or eating a steak. They, they don't see you so much. They see the home. And so just as you would try to not make yourself look vulnerable out in public, you need to make your home, what can be seen of it, not look vulnerable or a, a good target. So uh, with all that in mind, I, I appreciate you for being here. It stirred some pretty interesting thoughts on my end, and I think we'll be diving into this before the end of the year. Uh, I think we'll I'll put something together on it. And uh, so thanks for a great show today, and thanks for helping us you know, with an idea for a show we probably haven't done in a long time, we probably should. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jack, and I hope it has been helpful for some people, and I look forward to your show next time. Well, like I said, I think that was a really great interview, and it does have me thinking. I don't know if it'll be next week or the following week, but I'm going to put together an episode on basically making your home inconvenient, unattractive, and non-profitable for home invasion. Um, this is something I probably don't talk about enough. And, and, and the reason is because I tend to talk about the things that are on my mind. And I, I've, I've done quite a bit of this with my home already, but my home's pretty uninviting. You know, my home is three acres. It's surrounded by fence with barbed wire on top of it. And more than one person, when, uh, when Max the German Shepherd was still around, said that when they came through the front gate, it looked like going in a Starlog 13 from freaking Hogan's Heroes. So there is quite a bit of like people sneaking into uh in into garages and stealing stuff and people burglarizing vehicles. I don't know if you technically burglarize a vehicle. I know you you rob people and you burglarize structures. I'm not sure if if you call uh breaking and entering to a car if you call it robbery, but that happens a lot. I see it uh on next door and it tends to happen not right in our backyard, you know, a few miles away in places where uh, maybe it's a little seedier and in places where you have standard, more subdivision type situations where if, if, you, if you're caught on a property like I live on, you ain't supposed to be here and everybody knows it, including you. And you know everybody knows it, right? They, they talk about how gates keep honest people outside of them. 
and they make dishonest people obvious when they're inside of them. Fences do the same thing. If you look at a subdivision, though, it's really easy for a person to just walk down the sidewalk like anybody else taking a stroll and look for the, uh, the opportunity, bolt in and out of a home or bolt in and out of a garage. And so it's something that most people live in homes like that in this country. And many people in this audience live in homes like that in, 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 this, in this audience. And uh, apartments have their own unique ways that they become uh, ripe for invasion. Somebody during the live stream you just heard uh, in the comments section said that he had a friend that lived in a duplex. And uh, the, the person in the other unit had figured out how to crawl through the crawl space and get into his home and was stealing things. And he eventually figured out what was going on and set up a camera and was able to get them caught. Uh, apartments opened that up on a whole other level of potential. Uh, so there are a lot of potential for things like this to go on. Uh, I think there's more and more of it happening. I think there's more and more of it happening in jurisdictions where they're not prosecuting people that steal under, let's say, $1,000 worth of stuff. So we're going to take a deeper dive into that. And like I said, I don't know if it's going to be this week or next, or next week or the following week, and then we're off for Christmas, but it will be before Christmas break. And, and I really appreciated Sylvia being on with us today. Um, this is probably one that you know might be worth sharing with uh, some of the people in your life that aren't quite into prepping. Um, Sylvia is not your typical prepper, not even our type of typical prepper, right? We're already, you know, the people in our audience, we're not going to be on doomsday preppers, right? On, on, if that show had not been canceled because it sucked, uh, we're not those types of people. Um, but she's not even our type of prepper. She's like, I have the basic things I need because it makes sense. Right? And she's listened to the show like you heard for like 10 years now. Um, and still, but yet here's a, here's a place where that act of being prepared Having a gun, the training, and the knowledge of what to do in the situation paid off. And this is a real-world scenario. And there are so many people, I think, that are vulnerable to this type of situation because you know what they think? But nothing will ever happen to me. I live in a gated community. You know what it means when you live in a gated community? You have money. That's what it means. You have money and stuff. You know how hard it is to get inside the gate of a gated community? It's real easy. You, you, you get up behind somebody who's on the way in the gate and you follow them through the gate. If you don't have a guard sitting at your gate, most gated communities don't, then that's all you do. There's been plenty of times when I, when I had, you know, I spent a lot more time going out and hanging out with friends and stuff when I was younger, before I was married, and I had friends that lived in apartments that had gates, right? And inevitably, all I would do is, instead of bothering my friend and open the gate for me, or what the hell's the code, I don't remember, or what have you, I just wait for somebody to pull past me and follow them through the gate. Or, well, I live in a nice neighborhood and bad things don't happen here. Again, that means you have money and stuff, and it's the kind of place I want to steal from. I remember an interview that I listened to with, he was known as like the best cat burglar that ever ever was. And part of his, um, I guess, probation, but I'm, I'm looking for another word here. Restitution, I guess, was that he did a lot of interviews with media about how he did what he did and why he did it, you know, as he was becoming a, you know, a, a decent member of society again and, and being willing to hang up his, his cat burglar bag, so to say. This guy robbed people like the Kellogg family, okay? Like, like the Kellogg cereal family. Like, you're not talking about people that are not sophisticated, don't have security in place, etc., or people, do you, know, you think any members of the Kellogg family live in, in, in like, you know, the, the, the sticks or like the bad side of town on the wrong side of track? No. 
No, and, and he got away with what he got away with because it inevitably it generally took the person he robbed a couple weeks to even know that they'd been robbed. He would go in the house through the door, straight to the master bedroom, while people were home, by the way, lock the door in the master bedroom, take whatever was worth money, and he went for jewelry and high-dollar small items that weren't obviously out and about. Like He knew, he got good at it. He knew exactly where to look, where people hide stuff. He knew that's where the, the jewelry and the cash and any kind of really expensive stuff would be. He took it, and he went out the window and disappeared. And he got away with it for over a decade before they caught him. So this is a real thing, and it's a good thing to share with people. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you guys, if you like the show and the work that I do, you can help support us really, really easily. All you've got to do is do your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. You start there, and no matter what you eventually buy, you will help us out. Uh, I do a lot of where I have you know items of the day. I have tons of stuff I've reviewed. It's all stuff I own, I use, or I wouldn't recommend it. But I also have brands that I really like. And my, especially this time of year when you're looking for gifts, people like electronics, earbuds, portable chargers, you know, stereo speakers, stuff like that, um, uh, backup power packs, FM transmitters, cordless charging pads. Like people like the gadgets and gizmos, right? Well, my favorite value brand in that world, world of consumer electronics is Anchor. And this is what I like about Anchor. You can go buy a, a $30 or $40 pair of earbuds, Bluetooth earbuds from Anchor, and they're, they're going to be equivalent in quality and sound and everything else to like something you'd pay like $150 bucks for from Apple or Beats or something like that. They really are. And I've been recommending Anchor forever. As long as there's been T-Spaz, there's been Anchor products in it. When I do the math, I have literally sold tens of thousands, if you add up everything from Anchor, tens of thousands from lightning cables to stereo speakers to high-end headphones and backup packs, tens of thousands. I've had no complaints. I've had a couple of emails, hey, I got this thing, it didn't, but like you said, I reached out to Anchor, they replaced it. That's all I've ever gotten. They stand behind their stuff. Well, they have, because it's you know, Christmas time, everything almost on sale. Today. Like 90% of their products are on sale. You can look at the uh, article I have up for you today. It's called Anchor Items on Sale Big Time. And I have 13 items that, that are just great items, and they would all make good gifts or pick up for yourself. You know, We talked about high, a bright flashlight. There's an LC30 flashlight Anchor makes. It uses three plain Jane Ordinary batteries, double or AAA batteries. Um, it's on sale for $9.99. It will flat blind your ass. Uh, it'd make a good little EDC light, I'll tell you that. Uh, they've got a great car adapter on sale. They've got a solar uh, uh, backup power, power bank for your uh, phones and small devices. Now, you can charge it directly from the wall plug, or you can charge it with solar. It's great. That's on sale. Uh, they've got a set of their P2 Mini True Wireless Earbuds on sale, $29.99. These things are fantastic. They're the ones my kid owns. Um, they've got a great like outdoor speaker. It's IPX7. That's on sale for $88. Bucks. 
um, wireless charging station. They got a wireless charging pad for iPhone on sale for ten dollars, nine ninety nine to be exact. Yeah, really. Check it out, and remember, you can always help us out. Start your online shopping at tspaz.com. The other thing you can always do is become a member of the MSB. If you're if you are military law enforcement uh, or like first responder. By the way, you do qualify for a discount if you want to join the MSB. Just email me at jack at the survivalpodcast.com uh, with TSPC in the, in the subject line always, but TSPC service discount. Tell me a little bit about your service. I don't need your CV or your ID or anything like that. Just, hey, I was in blah, 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 or I, I currently am an EMT or whatever. Just like that, I'll send you a discount code. Anybody else, you can join the MSB. You get your money back by using the discounts. So with that, I hope you enjoyed today's show, and uh, I will catch you tomorrow with an expert counsel show, and then we'll finish up the week with Outback with Jack. They gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way You don't have to be another face in the crowd You don't have to live the way they tell you to Make your own way The others will follow We forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there.